All right, it is now officially episode number 50. Five zero, baby. Congratulations. 50 episodes over the last uh, year, basically. We're just mm-hmm. over a year, so that's a lot. Are we really? Doesn't really feel like it, does it? I can't believe we've done 50. Ka- Kathy just said the other day, she's like, wow, f- really? 50? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's 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 a significant number. That's uh. I don't know. I think the amount of time, just just a year, just it just to me for whatever reason, it doesn't feel like we've been doing this a year. I know. I agree. I agree. So I'm coming to you live from the offices of Carolina One Real Estate. There you go. Here in beautiful Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. I look like hell. My the hair pee. is a mess. I haven't showered. I'm wearing my glasses today so I can see. Um, I know we talked about this last week and so I'm not going to spend any more time on it, but moving it's finally, I'm hoping it's wrapping up. So everyone's supposed to be out of the house. The closets are supposed to be made. Everything's supposed to be done and out by tonight. So thank God. Hopefully we can finally see light at the end of the tunnel. It's been terrible. It's brutal, man. It really is. Cause it, we talked about it. Yeah, we don't need to dive back into it. But you're so disjointed. You're so yeah. You're you're uncomfortable all the time. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been trying to find different corners of the world to do this podcast from for the last <laughs> right last month. Never know if we're gonna have connectivity. So and now I got the guy blowing leaves outside the window. So hopefully right, you can, hopefully you can I, still I, hear me. And I've been <laughs> staring at our sink, at our dual sink, just laying in the floor on a tarp, like ten feet away. For, for seriously, weeks. I. I that's why I don't I don't want to complain about this too much because we we are blessed to have homes, right? Yes. It, never underestimate the power of having a home. I get that. But man, we have been through some shit with our houses the last It's crazy. Months or so. I, I, you know, you talked about it, you know, you really do have to cuz it, it takes it, it it takes a toll on relationships because no one's at their best during a move. Yeah. No one. And so, uh, you know, it uh and I'm I tend to shut down, Jeff. I what, do tend to, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by shut down? Uh, you know, when things get all discombobulated like this and get, you know, I just kind of shut down emotionally. Not that I'm the most, you know, outwardly emotional person anyway, but I'm just, I just kind of cut off. So I just, because if I, if I don't, I just get mad all the time. You know, I'm super mad that we're having to deal with all this crap. I'm super mad that we've had, you know, just gutted rooms in this condo for, you know, now months, you know, now going, you know, you're, you're, you're over four or five weeks, you know, tired of it. Yeah. And so instead of just staying mad all the time, cause I'm, you know, I'm confronted with it daily. I just kind of shut down, which isn't probably the best. I found out that the uh, fireballs worked a lot. Had some more last night. Yeah. I, t- I know it's not your thing. Fireball. I mean, come on. It's 70 proof, man. If you're going to drink liquor, drink liquor. That's, that's my thing. Like, Fireball is actually has less alcohol than say if you wanted to take a shot of Crown. Yeah, I can't do Crown. I'm, I'm not mad enough to do Crown. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like if you're going to drink liquor, drink liquor. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but I don't like the taste of that stuff. So <laughs> who oh, does? I still, I still want. To taste <laughs> so you just wanted to. You just wanted to knock it mean, out. You don't want it to taste. Yeah, it. I mean, the people that talk about how great alcohol t- they're lying. They're lying. I actually like the taste of Fireball. You know why? Because it takes me back to my youth. And the fire, remember the fireball? Remember mm-hmm. the hard candy oh, fireball yeah, yeah. That, you, that you put in your mouth and keep it there for like 20 minutes before it finally dissolved? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right I've got one. Time. I've got one for you. I don't like the taste of Miller Lite, like especially draft or out of a bottle. I'm with you. 
But something about a Miller Lite can, and I don't know if it's the smell that hits me. All of a sudden, I'm 16, and I'm like enjoying beer kind of for the – you know what I mean? I, all of a sudden, it, it hits my brain. It's the weirdest thing because I can't stand it out of a bottle or a draft or anything like that. But, man, 12-ounce can – a Miller Lite, all of a sudden my brain just goes goes back to happy times. I thought, <laughs> mm-hmm. and those were good times for you mm-hmm. and Stacey together. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought you were just going to say in general you don't like Miller Lite. For some reason, Miller Lite and I don't get along very well. I, for some reason, I get like headaches from Miller Lite, and it's a light beer. How do you get headaches from a light beer? I can drink Bud Light, Mick Ultra, Modelo, all that kind of stuff. For some reason, Miller Lite, no good. I thought maybe you were going there. We had some. No, you know, I miss not being able to drink good beer. And what I mean by that is your micro brews, your your hoppier stuff. I really can't drink that anymore because of yeah my gout issues, and that that tends to be my one thing that I can bank on. If I have three or four like really good hoppy beers in a night, I know two days later I'm going to have some sort of uh, flare up. So Hashtag old man, old man, problem. old. Yeah. And right now, everyone 30 and under has turned off the podcast. Nah, I had hey, I had my first flare in my 30s. Doctor looked at me like I was an alien. You're your first flare up with gout in the 30 in your 30s? 34, 35, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was so I was so afraid getting older because I always heard that when you turn 40, um, things really started to go downhill. I was fine with 40. I, re- I really was fine with 40. Now, about 48 is when mm-hmm. it really started to kick in i would say 40 i would say right around 40 is when i noticed things weren't you know if i i was actually still like playing in softball leagues and stuff and if i twisted an ankle it was literally like at 39 it was fine at 40 all of a sudden it took weeks yeah. to heal up. that's what a lot of guys say I, I was okay i was still playing basketball everything was fine at 40 yeah but then about 40 yeah, yeah probably about 46 it happens saying. fast too because I, I remember being younger going ah Look at those old guys. I'm never going to be like that. You know, I'm too, yeah. no way that's ever going to happen to me. And boom, yeah. it just happens. I was the same way. And again, when I turned 40, I felt great. I'm like, this is no big deal. This is no, no problem at all. And all of a sudden, wham, you're right. It hits you. All right. Meet Jeff so, and Bernie real fast. So, I've, I've got, so, no, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it even better now. Even last, better. Last, week, last week's was a big hit, by the way. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we had like 15 listeners, maybe 16. They loved nice. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they loved it. Our dedicated folks are really in on that stuff. So maybe we should talk about death more often. Because yeah. I mean, we all know it's coming sooner or later, right? <laughs> just just yeah. push it away. All right. All right. What's your, what's your meet Jeff and Bernie this week? All right. Which birthday was more painful to you? 30, 40, or 50? Um, 50. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I had fun. Um, we had, we had a great time and my parents were in town. My brother and sister came to town. I mean, we had it. We were up in Myrtle beach, got a nice hotel room. Um, it's a great week, great day, but I just didn't like that number. I was just uncomfortable. 30, 30. I think I was okay with 30 because at that point, um, I was, I was really kind of on my professional track mm-hmm. and, and I don't know, have I ever told the story about not getting the Cincinnati Reds job? In 2004, ever told you that? I don't think so. So I was runner-up for the Cincinnati Reds job in 2004. It Ouch. came down to me and Steve Stewart, who was at the time basically the number three guy for the Kansas City Royals. And so I spent all day interviewing with different um, staff 
um, and executives with the Cincinnati Reds. And I'm just a kid, right? I mean, I was probably yeah. at the time, I was probably like right around 32 or 33 and um, got all the way to the final interview mm. with Carl Lindner, the owner of the team. <laughs> John Allen was the GM. Carl Lindner was the owner of the team. We're, we're at some high-rise building downtown Cincinnati and um, really kind of swanky. You mean um, the high-rise building in downtown? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, swanky conference room. And, um, and, and, and Lindner walks in and sits down way across the table from me and asks a couple of questions and then walked out of the room. <laughs> and I mean, he literally, jerk. I don't think he was in that room more than six minutes. Just couldn't be bothered. Right. Yeah. Just. And and he walked out and I'm like, this can't be good. I, I think I think you know the people the other people in the room asked me a few questions, probably just to make me feel better. Right. Because it was obviously over at that point. And um, and I, I mean I even had to I even had to interview with the team attorneys or team hmm. attorney. Um, and he and he drilled me with some pretty good questions about, I mean, tough questions about because at the time they had just built the new stadium and they were getting a lot of pushback in the public about you know, why are we spending all this, this money on a mm-hmm. ballpark? Um, and we, we, we have a bunch of shitty players. And so that, that's, that's what the city was saying. So they wanted to know, you know, if I go on a radio show or, or I get stopped by someone in the public, how I would respond to that, to that objection. So they really, I mean, th- this is for a play-by-play job. I'm like, yeah. wow, I'm like, this is really intense. Sure. Well, um, you're going to be the voice of the franchise. I mean, that's, you're the, you're the person that everyone's going to identify with. Yeah, I guess so. So anyway, so, so Linder walks out, um, you know, we stay in the room for maybe another five or 10 minutes, ask a few more questions. And, uh, and then we adjourn, uh, John Allen, the GM says, uh, you know, we're gonna send you back downstairs to a different holding room, go down there. I was down there for maybe 15, 20 minutes. John comes back and says, you know what, we're, uh, we're gonna let you go back home tonight. You know, we got a ticket for you, whatever. At that point, I'm like, okay. Yeah, it's, it's probably over. It's over. Yeah. So I'm flying back. We were living in Virginia Beach. So I fly back and I'm pretty disappointed, obviously, because I'm thinking I obviously didn't get the job. And uh, I get a nice phone call from John Allen the next day to make a long story longer. And <laughs> he said he said to me, he said, listen, you did a terrific job. You said all the right things. Everyone loved you. He said at the end of the day, basically, Carl Lindner walked out of the room and said the next voice of the Cincinnati Reds is not going to be the same age as my grandson. <laughs> wow yeah. so That's again brutal. to go back to your question i kind of liked 30 because i kind of liked being portrayed i i wanted to be older i wanted to be perceived as being more mature and that one really hurt you know not getting that we're, so, we're, so we're such opposites 30, 30 i cried i literally <laughs> cried <laughs> i shed tears the day i turned 30 why i hated it i hated getting older you and i are very different that way i never wanted to get older I never wanted to get older. I loved my 20s. And uh, I knew, and I was so far behind my peer group at that point from just a career path perspective that, uh, you know, in your 20s, you can kind of blame it on being in your 20s. Yeah. Once you get out of your 20s, there's nothing to blame it on except for the person in the mirror. I actually, man, I left. I was living in Charleston. I got in my car. I drove to Atlanta, bought tickets to a Foo Fighters Red Hot Chili Peppers concert, hung out with some friends in Atlanta for a couple of days, went to see my grandmother in Alabama. I just oh kind of went on this little mini road trip. I was just like, I got to get away for a while and just kind of, I hated it. I hated turning 30. 50 didn't bother me in the slightest. I'm already older. It's just another day. But 30, 30 was brutal. 
That 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 is really interesting that you that, and it doesn't surprise me just knowing your personality. It is it's scary to grow up. And 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 we've talked about this before with you, you know, not having kids. And you 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 and I disagree because I I do feel like you'd be a good dad. But you have <laughs> talked about this on the show before about, you know, being a parent scared you because you didn't think that you'd be able to do it. It's too much responsibility. Yeah. I didn't want to do it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I kind of felt I kind of felt that way at forty, like I felt at forty, like I, I always can't. I, I think in the back of my head in my twenties and my even in my early thirties, I always felt like if the shit hit the fan, my parents would still be there for me, and while they always will be, and 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 fortunately they're still alive, and I have a great relationship with my parents. By the time I turned forty, I'm like, you know what? It's time to change my mentality. Like time to get going on my own support myself not not everything you know that that they're going to be there to to help out and that 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 is scary it really is kind of scary to to move forward like that i mean look I, most of my friends could care less. i mean 30 was you know it was a fun birthday but it wasn't like I mean, it was end, you know what i mean it wasn't the end all be all but for me man i, I literally shed tears i was like i cannot believe i'm 30 years old and it was the year 2000 like everything just kind of changed y2k you know? Y2K, man, my brain had a had a meltdown in Y2K. I was living in Greensboro, and people literally at our grocery store. Um, remember that on that New Year's Eve? Oh, people absolutely. Thought, people thought planes were going to fly out of the sky. Oh, no, yeah. They thought at midnight, when everything turned over to zero, the computers weren't going to be able to handle it. That everything was just going to shut down. Grocery stores were empty. Water was gone. Toilet paper, I think, was still there. <laughs> yeah. But uh, man, that was. Dude, there were there were. Hundreds, tens of thousands of people that were hired specifically to code, to redo the computer systems. Yeah. And that was their only job, which I thought was insane. Can you hear that noise, by the way? I was going to say, speaking of speaking of national emergencies. I, I, I mean, is there is World uh, War Three starting right outside my window? Like, I don't understand where that's coming from. It is, is that we're, you? We're recording this on Wednesday at noon. So, so maybe they're doing some sort of test. Is it you or me? I think it's me. I can't tell. I think it's you. Yeah. Well, Frank, uh, 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 well I almost gave it away. Our guest. <laughs> our, uh, maybe, maybe it's coming out from our guest side. I don't know. Is, is it your end or is it my end? I, I still hate, you know, growing up. I, I think it's my end. I don't, I don't know what that is. but Growing up in Iowa oh in kansas that sound terrifies me i bet <laughs> it excites you know, me into, into troubles yeah. troubles on the way right yeah. i mean that is so did you ever see one before we uh, get to frank yeah um no no i did not the short answer is no but i was on the douglas county storm chasing team for one semester at the university of kansas when i was a meteorology major and so we would go and, you know, I would drive awesome. out to Western Kansas. Yeah, we'd drive out to Western Kansas and we'd have to shoot through storms, right? Yeah. Because that's how you do it back then. You would shoot through the storm and then follow it on the backside because that's normally get the best view and yeah. I mean, pretty, pretty old metrics back then. But, but yeah, that's, that's, that was basically how we did it. So, yes, we saw many funnel clouds, but I never actually saw a full cloud to ground, you know, tornado. Huh. Live. So apparently I, I wasn't very good at it. Well, I, I think I saw, I, I know I saw one once when I was really young in Alabama. That's kind of, you know, Alabama, Mississippi, they have kind of the Southern uh, area where there's just a ton of tornadoes in the summertime. And I saw one and it was scary. 
It was yeah. terrifying, actually. Yeah, they are. Very unpredictable. They're scary. All right. Are we ready to get to our guest? We are. Hopefully, my place doesn't blow up with this yeah. siren. If you suddenly on. disappear, then Frank yeah. and I will just go on up by ourselves. Yeah, just keep on, just we'll, keep on going. Get, get we'll through worry. the 50 minutes. I'll say, we'll worry about you for a couple minutes, and then we'll be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our guest today is a five-time USA Cornhole National Champion. Matter of fact, he is the all-time winningest player in USA Cornhole history, uh, including winning the 2022 Men's Singles National Championship. Uh, he, he, you know, he had he had a really good year in 2022. I'm sure he did. I'm sure he'll say that he wanted to do better, and they all say that. And it, and his 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 ranking at the end of the year, I don't think really um, does justice for the kind of year he had because he finished really strong. Remember, he won the eighth pro shootout yep. qualifier in Ventura. Really had a strong finish to the season. Um, for those of you who don't know who follow who follow the show, um, he is basically the brainchild behind the game changer bags and we'll hear that story it's really a funny story he is a retired now retired pe teacher and i bet a lot of people don't know that he is a four-time softball world champion what yes you know what i think i did know that to borderline for the first time our buddy frank modlin hey frank What's up, guys? How are y'all doing? <laughs> find a way, Frank. Captain America. Find, find a way, America. Frank. <laughs> there we go. What what do you got what do you got going on going on behind you there? I like that. Yeah, look at look at oh, it. Oh yeah, man. Supporting <laughs> allcoinhole.com there. Got the AAR. He's repping. Yeah. Look at that. So so does that TV screen so like every five minutes does it rotate like at a like at a basketball game? <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's actually it's actually it's a, a poster. Yeah, it's a banner. Oh, I thought it was a, I thought it was a TV screen. <laughs> that, I was that's actually I just, a great like, idea. Control, like, like, <laughs> like in five that's minutes, we'll over to, it'll switch over to McDonald's in five minutes or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll change sponsors. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Frank, t- tell everybody where you're at and where you live. I'm not sure how many people know this. Okay, so I'm on the eastern side of the U.S. Uh, so in a um, in North Carolina uh in this the carolina conference uh we're over on the eastern side of north carolina about an hour and 15 minutes or so from the outer banks uh in a little small town called jamesville north carolina uh went grew up here went to school here uh went to college at uh ecu uh greenville north carolina the pirates uh (laughs) and yeah and come back home um married a girl from my hometown uh, is, is this Brenda or somebody else? Uh, <laughs> we're gonna go with Brenda. <laughs> so uh, kind of like, just make, just making yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, no, we. Um, it's, as far as that goes, it's one of those uh, kind of uh, stories you've heard before, where the guy likes the girl forever, and he finally uh, wears her down, and she uh, ends up settling for him. I guess. <laughs> They actually call that assault today, Frank. <laughs> yeah, you can actually do time for that now, right? <laughs> yeah, they don't do forced marriages anymore, Frank. By, by the way, by the way, I know she's watching. She's actually one of our 15 viewers. My mom, an Eastern North Carolina girl. She grew oh, up in Kent. Awesome. She grew up in Kinston. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh my goodness. Down east. Oh, that's so cool, Kinston. Yeah, that's. That's not far from here. Maybe an hour and fifteen minutes or so. 
Well, there's no doubt that you caught a good one. Brenda is salt of the earth. Absolutely love her. And and we also found out last week that Frank and Brenda are exactly six hours from Charleston because we <laughs> had a great time. We had a charity cornhole tournament, chili cookoff here in Mount Pleasant last week. And Frank and Brenda were uh, generous enough to drive all the way down to join us. And the office, I mean, there's probably, I don't know, Frank, maybe 40 or 50 people here. And they absolutely loved talking to Frank and, and Bernie. It's, it's, it, I'm sure, Bernie, you see these probably at the, at the tailgates. Um, or maybe not because I'm not sure there's a pro with you guys. But it's, yeah. amaz- it's amazing because, you know, there's a lot of people who think they can play the sport of cornhole. And then someone like Frank Modlin shows up. And they're like, oh, shit, man. Yeah, he's really good. And, and Frank did such a good job. You're, I mean, you're, obviously, you're a teacher, so you're just, you're just, you know, it's, you're natural at this. But the way that you were able to kind of teach them how to grip the bag, how to throw it, you're throwing four baggers all over the place. Um, I mean, it really was great. So thanks again for doing that. You and Brenda were such great sports and, and loved, loved hanging out with you guys. We had absolutely had a blast. Uh, I wish we could have stayed longer. We we had to get back for some Halloween uh, festivities there, but um, we really did have a an awesome time. The the group there at it's Carolina One, right? Right. Yep. Carolina One uh, Realty in Charleston. Uh, great group of people. I'm, I'm not really just just saying that. It honestly was a great group of people they welcomed us uh so so good uh gave us a a, a gift basket uh, at the end they just didn't have to do stuff like that um but just a great group to talk to they i could tell uh in that arena in that uh i, I guess that um field there's a lot of competition. Uh, so the competitive nature was coming out in a, in a lot of those guys. Uh, and I like that. that uh, it was a good competitiveness for sure. But we, and L- Lord knows, uh, Jeff, they absolutely treated us so good. Uh, you know, got us down there, uh, put us in a motel. They, they wouldn't let us pay for a meal. They carried us around Charleston, showed us so many different things. And, and we would have never, even if we would have visited Charleston, we wouldn't have been able to see it in the way that we did with them because they, they know so much about the history and, you know, all of the different sites that, you know, downtown Charleston and surrounding areas. Just amazing. We, we absolutely had a blast. Yeah, we had we had fun. We had fun with you guys. Great memories. Ms. Bernie Ms. should have Kathy been with us. Kathy yeah, I, awesome. I, I, I didn't get an invite. I was actually in uh, in Pennsylvania. We actually had Connie Altice and Devin Harbaugh were our two pros at our t- at our uh, college tour okay, stop. Well, the temperature was 29 degrees Ooh. when we kicked off, so the boards froze over. So both of our pros actually lost to some uh, some random folks that walked up to the boards. They didn't they didn't play games to 21. We had like a little challenge. It was like a one round thing, but they both lost once. So we had to give away some some uh autographed footballs to uh to a couple folks but uh yeah so i, I actually told Devin and connie that i was going to put them on blast for losing so there you go Devin. oh my Devin. gosh i cannot believe that frank well frank ended up winning it he was he was paired with milo one of our agents here in the office so frank and milo won it i i don't i think you got a little bit of a challenge from joe right yes frank uh, i mean you, sure. you, like, uh, like i could tell like all of a sudden you really had to like play to put oh, them yeah, no doubt. Other than that, uh, pretty easy. Yeah, whenever you're in a situation like that, and Milo was awesome. Uh, was he? he was, was he really? <laughs> <laughs> I 
think you're being kind. <laughs> talent wise, but uh, I, I think he's the bug has bit him. He the next time I see him, I feel like he's going to be better. Uh, but he had Stewart, uh, and I, I'll let Jeff get into that here in a little bit uh, on his end. And Stewart was holding his own down there, so it kind of clicked in my head that I really, really needed to do. What do I could some do work. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, because well, and was... a little bit, a little bit of pressure because Stewart, uh, Stewart Default is part of the the uh, Bush's Beans family. I mean, he's he's heir to to Bush's Beans. So you all of a sudden you're playing against one of the namesakes and family members of one of our biggest sponsors. So yeah, so you had, a, you had to show, no doubt we had to represent. Yeah. <laughs> How great of a guy! How great of a guy, Stewart? Though I mean, he loved meeting you, and he, he's a terrific uh, guy. Real, I mean, super nice guy. Yeah, uh, just down great. to earth, great personality, uh, and he, he, I could tell, you know, just the way he spoke about it. His family is so passionate about cornhole. Yeah. They, uh, he, the way he, you know, described it, you know, uh, Bush's baked beans. They thoroughly enjoy. Uh, supporting the American Cornhole League, uh, and it's been—he it, it, just described it as a great relationship. And to me, that made me feel real good, uh, you know, because we see we see the cornhole side of it, but we don't get to see, you know, some of that side of it. Uh, and to know that, you know, we're doing positive things for you know huge corporations like that—that—that uh, uh, that was really cool. And he's—he's—he's he's, he's really a super nice guy. <laughs> All right, Frank, I got a question for you. You ready? Okay. I'm probably more guilty than anyone else when we do streaming matches and everything else about talking about Frank Modlin. His time's up. He's done. He's, he's had it. He's finished. He's just, he can't keep up with the game anymore. How do you keep doing it, Frank? Because every time someone like me is shoveling dirt on your career, you come around, you win a shootout. You and you want to shoot out, by the way, for people out there that don't really know the game, you don't throw the hardest bag in the world. And the shootout you won was in windy, hard conditions that you would have thought would have favored people that threw the bag as hard as they possibly can. Nope. Frank comes barreling through there. So what is it about you specifically that allows you to keep coming back because the talent's changing. The talent's getting younger and younger and better and better. And yet you're finding ways to adapt to that. You know, how are you able to make that happen? Well, honestly, and speaking of Ventura, awesome tournament. Uh, uh, love John and the guys out there. Uh, they, they did a great job. I love the, the coming together of Spencer's and the ACL. I think that was a, an awesome uh, fit. Uh, everything clicked perfect. And truly, I would have, if I'm, I, and I am a gambling guy, I, I love poker. Uh, <laughs> I, I would have, if I'm putting, uh, of course, we don't bet on ourselves, but if I'm putting money on that, I'm not betting on Frank Modlin in that Ventura tournament, uh, for sure. <laughs> uh, there's, there's quite a few other guys that I would have been betting on. You know, and like you say, some of the young guns, some of the guys that are throwing the quicker bags, the faster bags the, with the lower uh, trajectory and the more rotations that can cut through the wind and that sort of thing. And honestly, I got out there uh, throwing them game changers, 
and I uh, and I still was able to throw slick side uh, the entire weekend, and I was a little shocked with that. I thought that I would end up having to, you know, do different things or whatever. Um, but um, I'm, I'm telling you wrong. I think I was throwing the what was I throwing? Uh, let's see, we were throwing. I think I was throwing all slides uh, wow. in in that uh, because see, it seems like. Even in the shoot, no, in the shootout, we were. I was able to throw my game changers uh, in the Ventura, the uh, Spencer McKenzie's tournament. We were all throwing bags that, that were sense. provided by yeah. the companies. Uh, so yeah. all from, uh, they didn't have the game changers on that list. So I threw um, mm-hmm. all slides in the Spencer tournament. But in uh, the shootout, I was able to throw not these particular ones, but the the white game changers. There you go. Uh, I was able to throw the shameless side. plug, Frank. <laughs> shameless, <laughs> shameless <laughs> plug. <laughs> Got to do it, man. Got to do it. Uh, yeah, no, I was able to get away with the slick side, and uh, that was what I was probably the most nervous about. Like I was, I thought I was going to have to flip over and throw sticky a lot more, and that uh, it might would change my game up too much, uh, too much to adapt to. But I was able to find ways with the wind. I, I, I found that being patient uh, because the wind's not consistent out there. You have a little right. gust, gust, uh, and it would mm. it would kind of come in like uh, small spells. And I, I literally was very patient, waited for the gaps, and would shoot the gap. Uh, and it, it just kind of worked. Um, but you're right. I, I think you, when you ask about what keeps me uh, – hanging in there with these guys or whatever. It's, it's honestly my family. Uh, it, it, that is a very simple answer. Uh, if it weren't for Brenda and my girls uh, cheering for me, uh, I've got one of my daughters uh, that watches just about every match I play. So uh, that's why I go live a lot, uh, you know, on some of the side courts, um, even, even if she's not able to watch. And all, all three of them, all three of my daughters watch – you know, as much as they can. But uh, Brooke uh, watches just about every match. Uh, and she's, you know, messaging me, you know, between matches, uh, how that last match went, uh, who I've got coming up. She knows just about as much about cornhole as I do. Uh, so, you know, we'll talk strategy. Uh, and we do that with Logan and Kayla also. Uh, but honestly, that's that's what it is for me. Uh, you know, growing up playing softball and, you know, other sports, um, you know, be, they were able to travel with us uh, my entire life of sports. Uh, it's been more of a family event uh, and having them to be able to experience it with me. Uh, if it weren't for that, I wouldn't be in sports at all, period. So interesting. Uh, along that same uh, point, Bernie. I, I thought I thought Mike Morton uh, said it best last year, and Trey and I talked about this on one of the broadcasts. Mike said, "You know, every time Frank comes on the court, we're always talking about the other person. Right. But at the end of the match, it's always Frank who's won and moved on. Absolutely, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so just, true, though. It's yeah. so true. It's, so we we just keep seeing you every single match, and you just continue to just survive and keep moving on. I think Frank, and, and I mean." we've talked about this before on this, as far as, you know, actual cornhole technique goes again, you, you don't have four or five different pitches, you know, like a lot of the other kids have nowadays. I know you're working on some, I think you are just deadly accurate. 
and 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 you know j- you just are able to execute at such a high level. I mean, even here, just last week, I, I saw it. You're just so precise, and I guess that just comes from hours. I mean, is is it just more practice? Is it a physical thing, or is at this point is it more of a mental thing for you? Well, we we all know so much of it is mental for sure. Uh, but but you have to de- develop the physical pieces first. You know, um, the mental just kind of keeps you, you know, on pace. Uh, but I, I can't even begin to tell you how many hours I threw trying to get to what level I wanted to be at uh, and still do. Um, I'm not able to throw quite as much as what I would love to. I, I, I literally, <clears throat> I can get out in my building and throw for hours on end, as long as I'm able to throw uh, and stay intrigued with it. It's crazy. Uh, but I really can do that. And part of that is what like Bernie was talking about. And you just mentioned, you know, these guys, uh, the younger generations that are throwing different shots at us, you know, they've, they're continuously uh, teaching us, you know, new things about the sport uh, that we didn't even think was possible. Uh, when we, you know, we, of course, we we all had some flop shots and stuff that we would hit every now and then, three or four or five years ago, but it wasn't something that we were doing as a strategy. You know, right. now these guys have it down to you know a science. They literally throw these shots with a lot of accuracy and what we have to do, you know, whatever weapons that you have in your arsenal, you have to figure what can I do to counter this? And that's what keeps it. So it like, that's part of what keeps it so intriguing for me. I know, you know, going against a particular player, I, I, I do, I find myself doing this a lot, uh, honest to goodness at, uh, I guess it was probably one o'clock in the morning last night. I'm watching videos of players. And this was, I think uh, the ones I was watching last night was actually when Cheyenne was making her deep run uh, at Worlds. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And she played Ryan Windsor. And then she uh, went on to play Trey Birchfield in yep. the championship. <clears throat> but Brenda came in. She says, why are you watching this? This was, in the, you know, but just, I, I literally find myself watching a lot of video uh, and just studying people and, uh, you know, uh, what their talents and what their skills are. I watch a lot of live feed now, even when I'm not at a tournament. I told Jeff that this weekend, you know, Brendan, I, we, we absolutely love <clears throat> to watch, you know, the matches. Uh, but a lot of it for me is watching some of these young players that I don't get to see that often, you know, cause I'm not from their areas. So I get to see them on the live feed and I get to study what they're capable of, what they do in particular situations. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'll know what to be pre- prepared for when I do come up against them. Uh, you know, is this, is this player a first block guy or is he a, is he a put the first ball back in the hole and block on his second bag or are they just a, you know, a slider. They're just going to try to put as many bags in the hole as they can. A lot of that you can tell when, as soon as you walk up to the board, you see what your opponent's throwing, you know, what, what style of bag. So automatically, you know, your players are, are thinking right then, like if a player comes up to back boards with game changers, a lot of times the players are thinking, 
uh, I better, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to buckle up here. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be, uh, you know, a lot of bags in the hole. We're going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to prepare for that. Maybe throw some blocks up, change that lane on them, that sort of thing. Well, if I see a guy come up, you know, with a tackier type bag, uh, I know that their plan going in is to put up a lot of blocks. Um, so in, in my mind, I'm already preparing to push through bags, get around those bags, get over top of those bags. And honestly, and I know, I know this is going to sound like a plug. Uh, and I, and I guess it is in a way, but it's a truthful plug. <laughs> the part of the reason, and honestly, part of the reason that I've been able to hang in there, uh, especially at 53, well now 54, um, 54 and still trying to play with some of these young guys has been the bags. Uh, the game changer and its design allows me to get through and around situations without having the rotation on the bag and without having the angles of the cut shot so much. I can literally play, I mean, just, and I, I promise you, I'm not trying to plug here, but, <laughs> but the way the game changer plays, you know, it plays the size of the patch through most situations. Um, you know, these, these outside flanges are designed to collapse. You know, that's, that's what, you know, they were designed for. And it allows me to get up and around situations and through situations that I wouldn't be able to do with just any bag. Now there's a lot of great bags out there. Not saying game changers is, is the only one capable of that. You know, there's a lot of great ones out there, but these have actually been part uh, a big part of why I've been able to be successful for as long as I have. Uh, they take a lot of the pressure off of me. I know what the bag, I, I know I'm inside and out. I know what they're capable of doing. So honestly, all I've got to do is put the bag in the right situation and the bag will do the rest of the work for me. Wow. That, that is terrific <laughs> stuff. And that is seriously, um, I mean, that, that is, I mean, it's, it's going to blow a lot of people's minds because just like when you were here last week, there are a lot of people who watch this show, a lot of people who watch our national broadcast, they have no idea, you know, how evolved the, the cornhole bags have become and, and how evolved they are. The ones that you guys are throwing on TV. That's, that's a fascinating story while we're there. Can you, can you quickly tell us the story? Because I remember you telling me the story and I've told it on the air, but I feel like I've told it so many times now that maybe I'm not even telling it right. But, but if you can talk about how that bag was designed by you, I, I think it starts where, you know, all the way back in the beginning where they wanted to, to sign you basically. And they asked you to, to design a bag. And when they said to you, they wanted you to design a bag, they, they were basically asking you know, you to, to put like a graphic trademark on it, like a Frank Modlin, you know, something. And, and you right. misinterpreted that, if I remember the story right, and you were thinking, <laughs> oh, shit, I've got to design a bag. Like, I'm not an engineer. How, what, how the hell am I going to do this? If you can tell rectangle that, around or what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, think, I think I'm right on that when I tell the story. But if you can tell it, Frank, because it, it's a great story. No, that's you, you're dead on. Uh, I honestly had had the concept. You know how we all are. Uh, we're always continuously trying to improve things. When it, and that's just kind of how my mind works uh, in life in general. If I if I see something, my mind automatically goes, "How can I make that better?" Uh, the same thing happened in in cornhole. Uh, you know, when I first started playing, I, you know, you 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 learn the very basics uh, and you start throwing, and of course you're trying to, "How can I make my throw better?" Uh, you know, and then you start thinking about the equipment and 
honestly, that I had had the concept up here in this crazy area uh, <laughs> uh, for the longest time. I've got one um, of those too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that crazy area. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mine, mine might be a little bit larger than yours. Uh, I've got a feeling. But yeah. <laughs> uh, but when I signed on with Al Cornhole, uh, I guess that was back in uh, eighteen or two thousand seventeen. At that point, um, Chad Littlewood had asked the players to, like you said. Uh, come up with a bag design, you know, for their pro, for their players, you know, that kind of set, you know, represented that particular player, James Baldwin or Frank Modlin or, you know, whoever, Jordan Campbell at that time. Um, and, and literally all he wanted was a, a graphic design. He wants you to slap a picture on a bag, you know, send me a picture of a tank, send me a picture, of, <laughs> you know, the beach, you know, what, whatever. And, right. and here I am just banging my head trying to think, because I want to, pre- I want to impress this guy. You know, you, you know, he's, he's took the chance on me here. I want to, I want to, you know, do this thing right. And, and you're world. thinking, you're I'm thinking big. I've got to design a whole Man. new bag. Yeah. yeah honestly. How I, do I, I learn this I, software? Yeah. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. I said materials. What? I mean, <laughs> I've never yeah. seen anything in my life. <laughs> So, you know, yeah, no, I, I literally was trying to think very, very detailed on how I could change this cornhole bag to make it better. And that concept just kind of kept coming back to me like, man, this might be a perfect opportunity. We might think I'm crazy, uh, but it might be the perfect opportunity to kind of introduce that. Well, weeks, weeks go by. Uh, Chad Littlewood's, you know, sending me messages, uh, Frank. When are you going to get that design in, buddy? We, you know, everybody else has already got theirs in. Uh, everything okay? Question mark. Uh, and I was like, yeah. I said, I'm, I'm working on something. And he would always kind of come back with, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, and I'm pretty sure he thought, thinking at this point, this guy's loony, you know. And, uh, right, yeah. This kind of leads to one, one, one evening, uh, you know, he sends me one of those messages. And, and I, I said, I think, I think I've got something here. Uh, I, I want to run by you. Uh, and he, I, I start trying to explain it. And with that leads to a phone call immediately. Uh, and that phone call ended up being over an hour, maybe hour and a half call. Uh, and, and I could tell right to start with, it was okay, whatever, you know, I know. Just know, throw the bags, I, Frank. Yeah. Yeah, just, I, you're, you're supposed to put the bag in the hole, you know. Because by this point but, Chad by this point Chad's like, "Oh shit. All I was yeah. asking for yeah. was just a logo." Just, and this dude has gone out and and designed a whole new damn bag. <laughs> yeah. He was he was thinking I was trying to reinvent the game, you know. Exactly. And, uh, but but honestly, it you through the phone I could almost see him change like his you know the conversation changed uh as i was trying to explain to him the concept and what i thought it could do and i 15 20 minutes into the call that that call changes from okay I'm, i've got more important things to do uh you know let's hurry up and get this over with to give me more you know, uh, tell me more. Uh, and we literally talked about everything that I had thought about and tried and, 
you know, at, um, at this point, we had even made a, a very, very, very rough prototype. My, my youngest daughter, Logan, had made, a, you know, sewn the patch on there for me. And, and we had actually tried the prototype out. And even with that rough prototype, we saw we had something. I mean, at that point, you know, we were throwing, you know, the um, slide rights and, you know, a lot of the old uh, bags uh, that were popular back in the 17, 16, right, 15 right. range, um, which were basically two sided bags, one full side. A lot of them were swayed back then, you know, uh, but you had a, a really tacky side and then you had a slick side. And honestly, it was a lot easier for me to tell that, that there was such a difference then, you know, comparing it to some of the bags. Um, so I was able to, to talk him through it. Uh, and then I was able to show him uh, some visuals after afterwards. But uh, yeah, he, Chad bought into it. Uh, he says, before the phone call was over, he said, you know, we've, I think you have something here. We need to get this protected, you know, um, the, the concept, so which kind of led to the, the whole game changer deal. Yeah. It's, it's so for, again, for those of you who are, who are listening, who maybe don't know. So again, like Frank was just saying with the, with the cornhole bag, you've got the slick side and the sticky side. And normally that sticky side is the entire um, part of the bag. It's just a different material. And so Frank's idea, if you can hold that up again, Frank. So Frank's idea basically was just to make it a patch. So while most bags will take up the whole area as being a sticky side, his his idea was just the patch. And that and that's what's become the game changer. And, and literally, we've only got a couple of minutes left. I mean, we could we could spend an hour on this. But it literally, I, I mean, I don't know, Bernie and Frank, you guys know better than I do. I mean, it literally changed. I mean, it was game changer, literally, right? I mean, I think Absolutely. it changed the evolution of the cornhole bag, did it not? I think I think it actually forced the other bag manufacturers to step their game up. Yeah, because because it put all cornhole on a pedestal that was a, above and beyond what the other manufacturers were doing, and now it's created. I don't know, Frank. I mean, it's it's an arms race now. Every year, manufacturers are coming up, and all of that stems from the game changers literally changing the game when that was when that came out. Well, I, I really appreciate you saying that and, and coming from you, Bernie and uh, Jeff. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah you don't have to put me on all that. You can just say Bernie. Everyone knows. That's all right. It means a lot, though. Um, you know, Bernie's been around the sport for a, a long time. He's, he's seen, you know, this thing evolve. Uh, and I think Chad did, uh, you know, he, he was actually – the one that mentioned uh, the the name Game Changer uh, first, uh, and man, I think he hit it yeah. dead on. Uh, it it is it. I think it has been a true game changer, and you know, and with the game changer technology, you know, it it uh, it reaches beyond just the patch. You know, you know, we've got the other technologies that are, you know, that surround the game changer technology. Uh, Mark Pryor, you know, with Ultra, you know, they've uh, got some of the GC technology that they use, you know, with uh, the Ultra bags, uh, with the dot technology, which is amazing, uh, which is one that remains to be one of the more popular bags. Um, Chad Littlewood with All Cornhole, they're coming out with the dot version. They're in collaboration with, 
you know, with Mark and, uh, it's been, it's been a great relationship, uh, with the whole deal. Uh, and we honestly, we would not have been able to do any of this without a lot of the cooperation from, uh, or a lot of the help from the ACL, you know, uh, because through this evolution, um, you know, the ACL could have, you know, Stacy could have said no to this. They yeah. they could have said that no, we we've got our we got our bag design that we, you know, we don't want to mess with it. But I think Stacy saw that you know um, this sport was was evolving just like other sports do. You know, you you go from wood wood drivers to titanium sure. drivers. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and I think that he saw. He appreciated it, and that that meant a lot to me. Uh, you know, coming from somebody that's uh, a heck of a lot more intelligent than me, you know, for him to act like that, I really had something. Oh God, I I, I, I seriously have chill bumps thinking about it right now. You know, because uh, it's such such a huge compliment. You know, love that. Absolutely here. love that. That's that's great. That's a great story, Frank. And unfortunately, you know what? We're gonna have to bring you back. We gotta go. We got like thirty seconds. Oh, no worries. No worries. But it happens all. It happens all because, the time, Frank. I mean, Frank, <laughs> you, you've been playing the game at such a high level for so long, too. I really, I know we talk about it a lot on the show. We got to bring you back because I want to. I think it's fascinating. We talk about player self talk a lot, right, Bernie? And yep. what's going on in, in an athlete's head while they're competing while they're competing. I'm fascinated by that. And you and I, Frank, got into a great conversation about that last week while you were here. And so we got to get to that. We'll have to have you on again to, uh, to dive into that. It was fascinating, but Let's Hey, thank it. you so much again for coming down to Charleston for making the drive with Brenda. You guys are absolute rock stars. Everyone loved thank you. I appreciate your time. You guys are so generous. Uh, thanks for embracing my family, for embracing me. I'm crazy. I ask you stupid questions all the time. So thank you for everything you do. And, and thanks for coming on the show. We'll talk to you again soon. See you later, Frank. Thanks to you and Miss Kathy as well. Thank you, Bernie. Appreciate you guys having me. See All right, Frank. Oh, man, truly, truly. I mean, one of the great guys in the sport. Absolutely love that guy. It's a yeah. funny story, isn't it, about the game changer? Back. I'm not sure how many people know that story, but it's yeah, that's Yeah, isn't that good? That's such a great – I mean, but it's so Frank. It is. <laughs> it totally is, yep. Yeah. All right, dude, we got to run. Uh, have a good week. I'll talk to you later. All right, you know, buddy. Out good. of time already. Number five went crazy. fast. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you later. They're going to be mad because we're already, we're already way late. <laughs>